in. Beautiful song. I feel like that's a song a husband can sing to a wife, though. I'm only human, babe. Remind me. Remind me. Uh, I forget. I forget all the time. I don't know about you, but um, they say it gets worse as you get older. I'm in real trouble. Uh, as, as, as I get older, um, I'm, I'm afraid I'm going to forget uh, a lot more uh, than I already do. And so, um, but what a, what a great song. We do need to be reminded uh, of all that the Lord has done. The Lord has saved us, and um, I was talking to uh, Miss Miss Pam and Brother Larry this morning, and and um, just talking about how, as bad as it gets, it could be so much worse. Uh, as as hard as it is, not to take away from hardships that we face, uh, but um, really they're about perspective, aren't they? Um, because there's so many people that have it. Uh, so much harder and uh, go through so many um, so many difficulties in life and um, we need to we need to be reminded about how good uh, God is to us if you're a dad and if you're not a dad and you're a human being and you'd like to have a donut we've got tons of them okay and um, I said I popped over there at Sunday school and I said um, do we have any diabetic donuts? And Brother Johnny said, nope, I'm eating the last one. <laughs> and so, um, but there are tons of them over there. If you would like to get uh, a donut and there's some juice over there as well, um, uh, help yourself, please. And um, we really appreciate you being with us <clears throat> in the services uh, this morning. Luke chapter number 10, a very uh, familiar passage, a very... Uh, a passage that is, um, if not read a lot, is alluded to a lot in messages and uh, used as examples uh, um, uh, during teaching and in, in, in the preaching of God's Word. Luke chapter number 10 and verse number, uh, verse number 30. Luke chapter number 10 and verse number 30. And Jesus answering said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment and wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. And by chance there came down a certain priest that way, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And likewise, a Levite, when he was at the place came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion on him, and went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, and set him on his own beast, and brought him to an inn, and took care of him. And on the morrow, when he departed, he took out two pence, and gave them to the host, and said unto him, Take care of him, and whatsoever thou spendest more, when I come again, I will repay thee. 
Jesus, still speaking now, asks the question in verse 36, Which now of these three thinkest thou was neighbor unto him that fell among the thieves? Bottom shelf question. I mean, that's really difficult to get this one wrong, right? Verse 37, And he said, He that showed mercy on him, then said Jesus unto him, Go and do thou likewise. Go and do thou likewise. As I was thinking about Father's Day, and, and uh, I know on Mother's Day and Father's Day, we always, we always say as preachers, do we have a Mother's Day message? Do we have a Father's Day message? Well, good news, we have more than fathers here this morning. So it would be kind of weird just to have a Father's Day message. Ladies, you could... You know, take the day off and go home, I guess. I, I mean, the same with Mother's Day. And so, so this is not just geared towards uh, fathers, but I want you to know something about fathers. I want you to know something about men. According to the Word of God, now, don't shoot the messenger. I'm just telling you what the Bible says, okay? According to the Word of God, the man is going to have to answer for his family. He's going to one day stand before God, and he's going to, answer for the responsibilities that he was given. When the Bible says that parents are to raise their children up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, we think, I'll go to work and mama will raise the kids. That's the thought process, and it's been the thought process for many, many years. Here's the problem. When that verse was given... That verse was speaking to fathers. For dads, to not doesn't exclude mothers, don't misunderstand me. But it's the responsibility of, by the way, it's not the responsibility of the school. It's not the responsibility of the preschool. It's not the responsibility of the church. It's the responsibility of mom and dad to raise their children up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Stop blaming everybody else and start blaming ourselves. Now, I say this all the time. Anytime our kids have ever done anything wrong, or that's been a few. Anytime that somebody else's kids have done something wrong, this is the, this is the tendency. What in the world did we do wrong? You ever said that? Where and the why and the what? Why we should have went left when we should when we, when we went right or some? We say so we take a lot of responsibility. Now listen to me, we should take some responsibility because we raised our children up. But if your children are grown, knock it off. It's not your responsibility. Your children are grown and they're making their own decisions. This is not. A raising your children up sermon. I'm just chasing a rabbit hole here for just a second. I'll get back on track in just a minute. But as they, as they are raised and you've raised them in church and you've raised them uh, uh, to devotions and you've raised them to uh, be, my wife say, we, I just want you to be good humans. Right? I mean, just be, just be, a, good, just be a good human. Just make good decisions. And if you raise them up that way and then they make this, stop beating yourself up. Stop. You raised them. 
Now it's their responsibility. They're one day going to answer before God, and uh, just like you are. But Dad, we're responsible. And Jesus gives this parable. Here, this parable we call the parable of the, of the Good Samaritan. And he gives this parable, and it's a very interesting, very interesting parable. He uses uh, uh, the analogy of uh, the religious crowd, and he uses uh, 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 the Samaritan. Now, when you think of the Samaritan, you think, well, whatever. Samaritan. So let me tell you something about Samaritans. Jews hated them. Hate's a strong word. Probably hates not a strong enough word. Matter of fact, if they were traveling and they came to Samaria, most Jews would go all the way around Samaria to get where they were going. Even if a straight line was the fastest route, it didn't matter. They'd go around Samaria. They did not like, I mean, they called them dogs. And Jesus uses, uh, you, you remember when the Bible says that Jesus said this, I must needs go through Samaria. Remember, that's where he met the woman at the well. Remember that story? And, and I'll tell you, Jesus uses the Samaritan to outshine the priest and the Levite. To outshine the religious crowd. Jesus was not a fan of the religious crowd. You ever notice that by reading the Word of God? I mean, he had scathing things to say about the religious crowd. You know why? Because most of the religious crowd, or a lot of the religious crowd, were hypocrites. Well, they said one thing. They said they believed one thing, but they were something else altogether. I mean, if they could extort money from people, they'd extort money from people. And if they had to use religion to do it, they'd they'd use religion to do it. And really, it upset righteous indignation uh, with Jesus Christ. So he uses this Levite, and he uses this uh, priest, and he uses uh, this Samaritan person to outshine these uh, religious people in this uh, parable of the Good Samaritan. If we're going to be the right kind of father, the right kind of husband, the right kind of Christian, there's some things that need to be present and need to be evident in our lives. We're all different. There's absolutely no doubt about that. We can sit down and probably begin to talk, and we'll probably, it don't matter who it is, we'll probably have more things different than we do have the same. We're just, we're just different. Some people, listen, you ever met somebody that's a talker and somebody that's not a talker? It's hilarious. You meet the talker, and I'm telling you something. Sometimes, we, sometimes I say this, I said, listen, there's several reasons I don't like to talk on the phone. One, sometimes you can't get off. And two, I just, when you're talking to me, I want to see your eyeballs. I want to see your facial expression, right? I'm just that kind of guy. I just, uh, I'm not much on the Facebook and Instagram, and, and I'm not much on texting, and I'm not much, now I'll do it. 
not to Facebook and Instagram, but the texting, I'll do it. I'll leave a message if I need to. But man, I really like to talk to a person face to face because I like to see their expressions. I like to see what when they when they're you know when somebody says something. You know when you say when you say when you say to, we're talking back and forth. I say, "Oh, knock it off," and then I text, "Oh, knock it off." That could that could mean two different things, right? Could mean completely different things. So I like to I like to face face. I like to talk. But if we're going to be what God needs us to be as Christians, then there's some things that ought to be evident in our lives. And just because you're different than I am doesn't mean we shouldn't have some of the same things in our lives. Jesus gives this parable, asks the question, uh, and then he says, listen, let me tell you what you need to do. You need to go and do what the Samaritan did. You need to do what I'm telling you in this parable that the Samaritan, not what the priest and not what the Levite did, not what the religious crowd does, but you need to do what the Samaritan did. Go and do thou likewise. We're a lot about talking. And too often, we're less about doing. We say one thing, It's like I said a little bit ago about Vacation Bible School. Be careful about being critical if you do nothing. Unfortunately, I'm just, I'm not trying to be ugly, but I'm telling you, unfortunately, the most critical people are the laziest people. They just don't, they don't don't do it. It's not the person, you know, do you know why the busiest people are never critical? Because they're busy. Right? I mean, they're, they're doing, I mean, I could, I could call out names, and, and every time I do, I get, I get backlash. So I'm not going to call out any names. But I can call out some names, and some of you know who they are. Who, they are constantly, constantly, constantly doing things. They're doing things for others. I have people come to me, listen to me. I have people come to me and say, listen, is there any need out there that I can, that I can, that I can help with? I mean, is there something that I can do? Is there, let me do, and you know, sometimes, listen, do you know there are people in the church that I've had to say no to? No, you can't do anything else. You're already out like every service. You're already doing this, 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 and this. You can't continue. I mean, you've got to get some preaching too. You've got to be in the service too. Let somebody else do. Are you this person? Are you this kind of person? I'd rather do it myself so it gets done right than to delegate it. Some people are like that. And so nobody else gets to do anything because they're doing it all. And sometimes you have to say, no, I'm going to let somebody else do it. And you know what? Sometimes you just got to go and let them, let them have it and let them do it. Hey, I wouldn't have done it that way, but, you know, praise God, it got done and I didn't have to do it. Yo, it's, a, it's, a, it's an amazing thing. It's an absolute amazing thing when you begin to do. You see, yes, we're supposed to be hearers of the word. There's no doubt about it. But the Bible says that we need to be doers of the word as well. Has the word of God affected you? Has your Christianity affected you enough to go and do thou likewise? What are some things we see? in this passage of Scripture here in Luke chapter number 10, 
that we need to be examples of in our Christian life. Whether that be at home or at work or at church. Listen to me. If you cannot exemplify these things in church, you're not going to exemplify these things at work or at school or at home. Do you really want to know how a person really is after their kids? Because who we really are is really what we are at home. And our kids will say, yeah, yeah, yeah. have you ever, been to a, you ever been to a funeral? You're sitting there and the preacher's waxing eloquent about this person and the wife's going, I'm wondering who he's talking about. The kids are scratching their head going, Am I at the wrong funeral? I mean, he's not. That's not, that's not who he was. He had everybody else duped. Everybody else thought he was this great person. But listen, the, the ones that live with you at home, they know who you really are. And if you can't be who you claim to be in church, what a shame. Listen, what a shame that our churches cannot get along. Churches cannot get along. I'm not talking about getting along with other churches, though that's a shame as well. I'm talking about getting along with one another in the same church. Do you know how many people that used to go to Rankin Baptist Temple? It would make you cry. It'd make you go. Listen, if I counted them up, you would not believe me. Do you know how many doors I knock? Do you know how many people I run into and I tell them that, that, that uh, we'd love for you to come and Oh, I used to go to Rinka Baptist Temple. Yeah, I bet you did. So now when I meet somebody, I say, I bet you know about Rinka Baptist Temple. You probably used to be a charter member here. I, I, mean, I mean, it's so many people. Have been here. Do you know how many people don't come to church? Listen, and I'm not saying it's right. And I'm not giving anybody an excuse. But do you know how many people don't come to church because of other people? Now, I'm not giving them a pass. I'm telling you, every person that decides to sit out of church and every person that thinks they have an excuse when they stand before God one day, the excuse will not hold water. It just won't. I mean, we're, we're going to be without excuse. And by the way, if this church isn't for you, then go to another one. Find a church. The Bible says that we're not to forsake or assembling ourselves together as a man or some is, but exhorting one another so much more as to see the day approaching in Hebrews chapter 10. So we, we need to be gathering together more and more, not less and less. And so, so stop the excuses and get in church somewhere. But I want you to know, there, I don't ever want to be, now I probably have been, but I don't want to ever be on purpose the reason somebody doesn't come to church. Now, I'm going to get by it one day. But if you, but if you don't come to church because I got a beard, that's nah, not my problem. Okay? If you don't come to church because you didn't like the color of my suit, I mean, you know, or you didn't like the color of the carpet, you know, the, problem's, the problem's not us. Okay. But if you don't come to church because somebody was ugly, you don't come to church because somebody said something contrary, somebody was critical. Do you know there's a time 
to come along some, by somebody and, 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 and correct them? There is a time to correct. I want you to understand that. We don't just say, oh, well, just live the way you want to live. But there's a time to do it. There's a way to do it. A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold and pictures of silver. So we need, it needs to be evident in our lives, whether we're at church or or anywhere else in the community. Uh, When you sit down to eat your lunch today, why don't you try to exhibit that to your waitress or your waiter? Next time you go to the post office, pray before you go. Next time you go to the, what do they call it here? We call it the DMV up north. Do you go to the, get your license or get something? I mean, do you know how many times, let me say, when I first came down here, I went in and I needed to get my license updated. My driver's license updated. I had a current one. wasn't lapsed. Wasn't suspended. I just needed to change it from saying Florida to Georgia. The states connect for crying out loud. It's not like, you know, we're a long ways away. But I went into our DMV and I said, Yes, ma'am, I need to. Um, and listen, I already done my research. I mean, I had everything. I mean, I had my marriage license. I had, I mean, I, I was thinking about bringing a vial of blood with me just to make sure I had everything that they needed. I come in there, and she's rifling through my papers, and she says, "Um, we have a problem. And Wendy was with me, and Wendy said, "Mm mm-mm, mm-mm. She says, because I'm already not happy. And she says, what's the problem? She said, it's your birth certificate. Well, my original birth certificate burned up in a fire years and years and years ago when I was a kid. And so I got a birth certificate signed by the Admiral of the United States Navy. Admiral of the United States Navy. Served my country four years with this birth certificate. She said, it's not good. I said, ma'am. When he's like, no, 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 step aside. I need to talk to this lady. I said, ma'am, are you telling me? that I can serve my country for four years on this birth certificate, but I can't get a Georgia's driver's license? She looked at me serious as a heart attack. She said, that's exactly what I'm telling you. I said, no, I'm, 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 I'm going to lose my Christianity standing right there in the DMV. You know, let me tell you something. It, I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not saying it's easy to exemplify some of the things we're going to talk about this morning, but I'm telling you, it's right to do. And sometimes you have to walk away. Sometimes you have to take a break. Sometimes you got to get a zipper and zip it just for a minute. If you have to lock it, lock it. If you have to hide the key, hide the key. Whatever it takes, however long it takes, but don't lose your testimony over foolishness. And so often we do because we get hot-tempered. So often we do. One of these days, Wendy said, one of these days, one of these days you're going to pull up beside somebody that you've been screaming and hollering at and you're going to look over and it's going to be a member of the church. I said, then I'm going to roll my window down and scream and holler even more. 
Some of you are as bad as I am in the car. I mean, I just, it just drives me. Nobody can drive. And it absolutely drives you crazy, right? There's no excuse to act the way sometimes we act in our Christian walk, in our Christian life. We can, listen, if, if we're going to represent Christ, if we're going to be the Christians that we say that we are, then number one, we must show God's love. We must show God's love. I find this uh, very interesting in this, in, this, in this passage of Scripture where this man, certain man, uh, fell among thieves as he was uh, uh, heading from Jerusalem to Jericho. And then he got stripped, beaten, robbed, left for dead on the side of the road. So a priest comes, no doubt on his way to service, some kind of service. Priest comes, now I want you to know something about the priest and the Levite, they had something in common. Both of them saw the man. Jesus made that clear. He made it clear that they didn't just go by and, you know, well, they, oh, I just didn't see him. No, no, they passed by and they saw him and went around. He, he, he's sitting here, and he's, we come up, well, I'm going to take the long way around. Why? Well, I just don't have time. I don't have time to show the love of God because I'm on the way to my service for God. Now, that makes a lot of sense. I'm fixing to go, whatever I'm doing, the priest and the Levite both, they were a part of the religious crowd, they were on their way to do service for God, but they didn't have any time to show the love of God. Sometimes, and I get it, we're living in a different world today. Used to be you saw somebody on the side of the road, they needed a ride, you picked them up. Not highly recommended nowadays. Used to be you see somebody that's broke down on the side of the road, you stop and help them if you could help them, uh, uh, and, 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 and you did that. He said, listen, it's dangerous today. I mean, it really is dangerous today. Matter of fact, I feel for people that are broke down on the side of like 95. I mean, I mean I'm, I'm, I'm pulling over into the ditch. These police officers that pull people over, they're in harm's way every time they pull somebody over. Because let me go back to what I said earlier. People can't drive. You're liable to get run over on the side of the road. It's dangerous. But you know why most of the time we don't stop? Because we just can't be inconvenienced. I'm, 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 listen to me. I'm on my way to the bookstore. I'm on my way to the restaurant. I'm already running behind it. I'm on my way to do such and such. And you know what we're saying? We're saying to people by and far, listen to me, I don't have time for you. I just don't have time. Because I'm busy doing things for me. I'm busy showing God's love in my own life. 
and I really just don't have time for you. Do you know how rare it is for people to hold the door for you anymore? Matter of fact, try it. Try it. Next time you go to Parker's or next time you go to a store, hold the door and, and, and watch how people look at you. They're either going to look at you like something's wrong with you or they're going to look at you like you work there and supposed to be holding the door for them. Next time you go, man or woman, by the way, next time you go and, and, and you go to a store and somebody goes in and you watch, you probably experienced it. They'll walk in and shut, and they'll shut. And we're, by the way, we live in the South. And they'll shut the door. I mean, they'll shut the door right in your face. There, there is no kindness shown towards one another anymore. It's very rare. The Bible says, be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiven one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, have forgiven you. The Bible says, be kind. Do you know how much trouble could be solved if we just be kind to one another? If we go to say something critical, or we go to say something that's not nice, if we just remember to be kind one towards another, we might not say that. We might not do that. The Bible says that we are to love one another. I say this all the time. We might not, have, we might not like each other, but we're commanded to love one another. You say, well, that's just the dumbest thing I've ever heard. No, 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 listen to me. God says that. God says I'm supposed to love you. I don't, that doesn't mean I have to have lunch with you. But I'm, I'm not to be unkind to you. Do you, know how, do you know how easy it is to be kind to people that are kind to you? I think of some of y'all smiling face. I mean, you're, you're always kind. You're always loving. And it's just so easy to reciprocate that. It's so easy to love that person back. But, whew. When someone's unkind to you and says some words that are not so nice to you, it's a lot harder, isn't it? Had somebody just recently, just this week, say some not so kind things. Let me tell you something, church. It better be water off a duck's back. Or you know what you're going to do? You're going to shoot back. That's what our nature wants to do. That's what our flesh wants to do. You call me this, oh, let me tell you something. I got, I've been saving some words for you. <laughs> All right? I mean, I haven't liked you from the beginning, so let me tell you. And then we just light into that person, right? Is that showing the love of God? No. What do they do to Jesus? They spit in his face. Do you know that Jesus Christ died for you? I hope you know that. If you're not saved, I want you to know that Jesus Christ showed His love. He demonstrated His love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He died, He was buried, He rose again the third day, and He died for you so that you could have life and that you could have it more abundantly. I want you to know something. He died for that person that spit in His face. He died for the person that, you know, the two thieves on the cross. Remember the one thief mocked him? And the other thief told him to, to be quiet? He did, listen, he don't deserve to be up here. We deserve to be up here. 
We're the ones that deserve to die. Do you know Jesus died for the man on the right-hand side and he died for the man on the left-hand side? That's the love of God. To love one another, that love, when, when, when we love each other, back, that's, that's easy. But to love the one that despitefully uses you, to love the one that sells you the lemon, the one that talks about you behind your back? No. Now that's showing the love of God. That's representing what Jesus Christ would do by showing his love towards us. What does this love, uh, uh, what does this love encapsulate? What does this love look like? And he tells us uh, three things here in Luke chapter number 10. Number one, it involves seeing. It involves seeing. Open up your eyes. There are people all around us that are hurting. There are people, listen to me, you don't have to go to, to, to Africa to find starving people. You don't have to go uh, to a third world country to find people that are unsaved. They're all around us. There are people that are starving physically, but let me tell you something, there are people that are starving spiritually. Do you know how many people are messed up in our churches today? They think that they know one thing, but they have absolutely no idea what they're talking about. To listen to some people talk, you think to yourself, where did you learn that? Where did you get that from? The Bible doesn't say that. The Bible doesn't... I said this, we're going through uh, uh, the... Uh, Zoomerang in Wednesday night. We're kind of going through that. We're going through that for VBS, and so we're going through that on Wednesday nights. And and, and I said the most the most misunderstood books of the Bible, the beginning and the end, Genesis and Revelation. Do you know how many ideas there are out there? I mean, they'll they'll blow your mind. Brother Scott asked me. Question, he said, where? This is the question of the ages. He always asks me questions of the ages. I don't know the answer to. He says, he says who did Seth marry? Well, that's a doozy. Yeah, that's a good question. And I said to him, I said, well, some people believe that there was a pre-Adamic race. And he said, what? <laughs> he said, there wasn't no God did to us. I'd say, I believe that. I'm just telling you. There are people that believe and can I tell you, there are people that believe this, and there are people that believe that, and there are people that believe this, and, and sometimes they don't even have scriptural evidence to back up what they believe. They just believe it because they want to. They just believe it because it answers some questions that they have. Do you realize that there are questions you're not going to have the answer to? Sure there are. I mean, we, we'll never know this side of heaven. You ever ask God why? Oh, I never ask God why. Oh, you're a lion. We've all asked God why a time or two. Maybe not out loud, but in our hearts we've asked God why. And, and sometimes God answers, and sometimes, uh, oh, Vance Havner, old Southern Baptist preacher, boy, I loved Vance Havner. Vance Havner said, he's got all these quips, and he said this. He said, sometimes God stamps across your life, we'll explain later. It's just not giving you, we just don't have the answer now. But let me tell you what we need to do. 
We need to open up our eyes. Let me tell you what all three people had in common. The priest, the Levite, the Samaritan, they all saw the man. But they obviously saw different things. They saw him. Physically, they saw him. But the Samaritan, he saw him with the love of God. He saw him with, what can I do to make a difference? How can I change his life? What can I do uh, to show the love of God in his life? We need to open up our eyes. The Bible says about Jesus, he saw the multitudes and he was moved with compassion. He saw the multitudes. You know, when Jesus came back, you remember he was away and, and, and Mary and Martha were trying to take care of their brother Lazarus there in Bethany and, and, um, and, and, and Lazarus dies. So Mary and Martha send before he dies. He's sick. They know he's going to die. They send for Jesus. Bethany was a very special place to Jesus. Frank Viola, you want to read a good book? Frank Viola wrote a book on Bethany. Tremendous book. Sends for him. Lazarus, when Jesus stayed somewhere, he always stayed in Bethany. And he stayed with Lazarus and, 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 and uh, Mary and Martha. And so he sends for him. Jesus waits four days. Now, do you think that Jesus knew Lazarus was going to die? If you believe that Jesus is divine, if you believe Jesus is God, if you believe Jesus is sovereign, then you have to believe that he knew. So he waited four days on purpose. And he comes back after the four days, and Lazarus is already dead, and he comes back, and Martha comes out and meets him and has a discussion with Jesus. Then Mary comes out, has a discussion with Jesus, and then they head to the tomb. That's the raising of Lazarus. Which, by the way, he knew he was going to do that as much as he knew that Lazarus was going to die. But on his way there, the Bible gives us the shortest verse in all the Word of God. Jesus wept. Now, I'm here to tell you, Jesus wasn't weeping over the death of Lazarus. How do we know that? He was on the way to the sepulcher to raise him from the dead. So what did Jesus weep for? I believe he wept over the unbelief of the people. Do you know why? Because Jesus' eyes were open. Not only physically, his eyes were open to the spiritual needs of the people. And just because you can see physically, doesn't mean your eyes are open. Matter of fact, Fanny Crosby, you ever heard of her? She wrote over 8,000 songs and hymns. Unbelievable woman. Matter of fact, many people believe she was born blind. She was not born blind. She had an eye problem, and some quack doctor came, over, came along and said to put hot pulses on her eyes, and she lost her sight in both of her eyes as a very young girl. She was asked a question on multiple occasions, Fanny. If you had the opportunity to get your eyesight back, uh, would you get your eyesight back? And, and her, of course, you've probably heard her answer a million times, and she, she states it in her autobiography, uh, that she would not get her eyesight back because the first person she wants to see is Jesus. But let me tell you what one of her points was. 
Her, one of her points were, just because I'm physically blind doesn't mean I can't see spiritually. You talk about somebody that could see spiritually. 8,000 songs and hymns, and some of them we're still singing today. She saw the spiritual need. Church, we need to open up our eyes. Yeah, we can see physically. The priest and Levite saw that man on the side of the road. They saw him physically. They did not see him spiritually. That Samaritan, he saw him physically, saw that he had a need, and spiritually, he showed the love of God in his life. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Maybe you're here this morning, and you've never placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Can I tell you this morning, with confidence, can I tell you this morning, with the backing of the Word of God, that God loves you. And He loves you like you were His only child. If you were the only one to die for, He would have still went to the cross. That's how much God loves you. Have you placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ? Have you been saved? Have you trusted Him as your Savior? If not, why not? Stop putting it off. We have no idea what tomorrow holds. We have no idea what the rest of this day holds. You better be ready. And if you are saved, and you have trusted Christ as your Savior, then choose you this day whom you're going to serve. Remember when Moses drew a line in the sand, and he made this statement, who is on the Lord's side? Open up your eyes and see not only physically, but see spiritually the need not only in your life, but in the life of your family, the life of your church, the life of those that are around us. And wherever you go, it's easy to do it in church, but the places your feet take you on purpose show the love of God. And God might be honored, and He might be glorified, and others might be edified and helped. It will make a difference. Let's stand together, head bowed, eyes closed, piano playing this morning a hymn invitation. Can I invite you to come? Help me this week, God. Let that be your prayer. Help me this week to show the love of God to my family, to my co-workers, to those in the community, do you know what I, you know what I figured about about people that hurt other people? Hurt people, hurt people. They're hurt too. They're struggling too. They're going through a valley too. Why don't you be the Christian that God means you to be? God needs you to be, and show the love of God. See the need and act upon it. If you need to come for whatever reason, as the piano plays this morning, you come.